0: welcome back rebels thank you
1: to everybody who came to access uh this week it was amazing
0: it was so nice to kind of like have an idea and just kind of like run with it and like there wasn't too much prep that went into it it was just like a here's the thing that we're going to do let's see if it works and it worked so well like, it was so nice to just have all the community there have people who are like asking loads of questions i feel like people were really honest with the kind of questions that they were asking and i feel like the feedback we gave was like again really honest um and yeah it was just just a wonderful event
1: i think that's the the beauty of q a is that you can just roll in the moment and we don't know what we're going to get asked so then we can just we can just kind of flow with it and it's what is much more natural which i really like um so yeah we had a whole bunch of people show up for the event which was uh which was amazing a lot of really like insightful interesting questions asked um and we we really delved down and i I think one thing that I came away from it is that and and I hope people understand this when they listen to the show I'm sure they do but it's like there is no right answer and life is I've been thinking this a lot recently like life is so choose your own adventure and mm-hmm. like advice is is just there for you to assess and then go is that right for me or is it not because there was um there was one person who uh who's a writer who we were giving loads of advice to and it's like maybe these were the absolute things that she should be doing but also maybe they're not and it's like i don't have a career as a writer i have like yeah. I have ideas of how I think a writer could succeed in the currently very, very saturated market of being a writer. But like there is there is no right answer. And I, and I really hope that everyone just sort of like takes on board as many different varying opinions as possible and then goes well for me my individual story which is only personal to me that no one else can actually relate to like let me take this bit of advice from over here maybe i'm because like gary v gets a a hard rap from people because a lot of uh, mostly his presentation but it's like but can you learn from him maybe i take a little bit from gary v maybe i take a little bit from creative rebels maybe i take a little bit from wherever and and then like craft your own career from those different pieces of advice
0: yeah I think there's like so many different routes you can go in life and I feel like we're not telling you which of those routes to take I think for like we're just providing the momentum we're taking the push to just push you down one of them we're giving you the energy to actually make a move in a certain direction it doesn't matter what one it is and I think that um writer one's a really really good point because yeah we've no experience in the literary literary world but we know that moving somewhere is better than staying still and I think that's what everyone who listens to the show needs to do it's like every every week take something from one of the guests and then put that into action make sure that you're always moving in a direction away from where you are now like that might be back that might be straightforward that might be down some weird little route you've never even considered but that's I think that's so it's important that... like
1: like even going in the wrong direction the wrong direction
0: is more important than staying still if you're going in the wrong direction that's going to give you so much more momentum coming back the other way it's like if you're having a hundred meter race but someone started 10 meters back and by the time they hit the start line you start too. they're already running at full speed and they're going to keep going but it's only because they went in the wrong direction to start with all right analogy i thought you were (laughs) going
1: to say rubber band you're a rubber band that gets pulled back and Ah, then you fire off in the.
0: there you go Analogies on analogies, that is a much better one. But yeah, it is that rubber band thing, like you're slingshot on yourself back. Um, But yeah, it all comes down to momentum. And I think making sure that you're never stuck, you're never stopping. And if you are stopped, then what can you do to get going again? What kind of little bit of energy, what catalyst can you get to push you in some form of direction?
1: Yes, there will be another catalyst uh, coming soon on December the 8th we will be doing our next access event so head to creativerebels.co forward slash access where you can sign up you will get a zoom link um, to be able to attend our next access event Uh, now that we've done the first one I feel like the the second one is going to be even more successful Um, if you did attend please tell a friend um, Everyone that came, we had a lot of feedback, a lot of DMs from people saying that they did find it useful and that it did bring value. So that's why we've decided to do a second one. Um just because we we felt it we felt we met our goals of helping people in that live context. Um so, so that's why we're gonna do another one. And it is on December the eighth.
0: Something I want to talk about this week is making bad content. And it sounds stupid, but I think It is really important that everything you put out, it's never going to be just this perfect piece. And I think this can really hold people back in creating stuff because they're like, oh, actually, I've started drawing and it's not perfect, which just means I'm not good enough and I'm going to stop.
1: I've noticed that we've been talking a lot about content, quote unquote, recently. Um, And I mean, really just the reason that we're focusing on that a lot at the moment is just because that is the current state of the Internet of... If you are doing something creative, there are a bunch of different ways that you can get attention to your business. Maybe, maybe one of those ways is posting flyers through people's doors. Like that does still work. Um, if you've got the right copy and and you and you scatter gun and do a thousand houses, then maybe you're going to get like like some jobs from that. Your biggest chance of success is producing content for the internet, and that comes at a like with everything if you've been listening to creative rebels for any period of time you will realize that we don't go down the route of a quick fix we always go down the route of let's learn this thing become really good at it and that takes time and just because you are if if you're at the stage where you're amazing at your craft like even the production of the content is going to it's like we were talking to a chef recently who makes really bloody yummy food, but her videos, she says, My videos suck. That's because she doesn't know how to make videos yet. And that's go So that's going to be bad content because she hasn't learned how to create those properly yet.
0: Especially like something like videos and getting started and anything like that. It's I'm, but I was messaging someone in our DMs yesterday about. She was like, Oh, I want to start doing videos, but there's just so much to learn. Like, uh, it's so overwhelming. And it's and I think I responded I was like well I can understand why it's overwhelming because obviously you're watching like movies that have got millions of pounds of budget and people have been doing it for their whole careers and there's like your level of what you think is acceptable is so high because you're used to just seeing this amazing stuff but actually to edit a video it's it's very simple It's I was like it's like a collage I was like if you can effectively go through a magazine cut stuff out and then lay it out in the order that you want it to be That's exactly what video editing is. Like it's just getting your clips, cutting it down, putting it in a certain order. Does that order tell the story that you want it to? If you want to start doing it chronologically is always really easy because then it like literally follows a timeline. That is the most basic form of video editing. And that is actually what a lot of TV does. If you watch a documentary, all that is is just snippets put together in a long row I'm sure there's a lot of editors listening
1: right now who are saying it's a bit more complicated than that. And, And it absolutely is. And I mean, when we were first started making videos for our business, and and the videos we we're making five or six years ago, we we had handy cams um, before we had like DSLRs that were capable of doing video. We yeah. were like going around with handy cams. Then we'd have to take that footage from the camera, put it onto a laptop or or computer that was capable of handling those files. We'd have to run it through editing software. It's like now if I want to make something, I can go onto TikTok and I can edit it within the app. And so things have changed so much that, yes, maybe it might be nice to get a DSLR, maybe it might be nice to edit that footage on Premiere Pro, but really when you're first starting, if you have a mobile phone, which most of us do, then you have iMovie within your mobile phone. If you're on Apple, I'm sure there's probably a Samsung equivalent within their phones. We have the technology, most of us in our pocket to be able to just start creating as you improve through using basic tools you can start to graduate to the more complicated things
0: yeah like I remember um like a few years ago my mum would like watch some of my like travel videos and she was like oh I love them it's so nice to be able to watch that I would love to do that for myself but it's just too much and I was like I literally it was the same as what we're talking about now I was like well you've got iMovie on your computer just when you're on holiday just video stuff and then when you get back gave her like a half an hour tutorial about well, just move these things here. This is how to snip it. And then she just became obsessed with making videos. And they're not like the best videos in the world. Like no one's ever gonna pay her to do those, but she's learning every single time that she makes them. And now she's telling me about these different techniques she does. And now when she's taking her like pans with the video, she holds it in a certain way to make it smoother. And it is just a learning curve. And I think if you have that mentality of you're gonna make a hundred bad videos before you make your first good video, that is going to happen with everyone and everyone who's making good videos now has probably made a hundred crappy videos, then it's just understanding you're just on that journey and it's fine to put out work that isn't like movie quality.
1: There's probably something deeper here. I would imagine that a lot of people that are saying, I'm not technically savvy. I'm not I don't have the equipment. I don't have the the tech skills to do this. Maybe they Probably understanding. Ah, oh, I could learn that. I could just watch. If I dedicate like an hour or an evening to watch a couple of YouTube videos, within a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be okay. I could do an evening class. I could like. There there are methods. Maybe it's. I'm actually scared of putting my content out on the internet because it, it's. There's all of a sudden a very big jump from if you just put out photos to all of a sudden putting out a video because inevitably yeah. most videos are going to inver- involve your personality in some way so my my content of painting i'm just uploading time lapses uh i'm pretty pretty sure that if i start to get my personality across but in those videos they probably would do better so that's maybe something i need to work on but all of the content that we make for all the video content we make for creative rebels is 100% our content. This, this podcast is, this is our personalities that they're out there. And that did take a while of getting okay with being that and presenting ourselves online. Um, But we, we had to press play the first day we had to press record and then we had to send it out. And that it's, it's a scary moment, but I'm so glad we, can you imagine if we hadn't overcome that hurdle? If we'd, if we'd sat around and, and, allayed all of those fears to each other like we did of we don't like our voices, we're we're maybe not we're not as established as other experts, maybe we're like and and we'd let ourselves talk ourselves out of doing this podcast. Like I just I can't even imagine that.
0: A lot of it comes back to what we are talking about at the start of this episode where it's all about momentum. It's all about always moving in some form of direction. And one thing I said to the the person in our DMs, I was like, if you're so not confident to put yourself out there yet make a video every every day this month but don't show it to the world because you will get more confident in front of video and like what I do sometimes is like the camera that I've got recording this now so if you're watching this, if you're listening to this on podcast or on YouTube too um I'll sometimes just like turn it on and then I can see myself in the screen and it will just be there looking at me and I'm just getting used to being on camera and it sounds really weird but just seeing yourself on camera like hearing yourself talk the more it happens the less weird it seems and over a certain period of time you just get used to it like i've got a a friend from uni and, and ages ago he was like wanting to vlog and i was like well just set yourself a challenge of vlogging every single day you don't have to put any of it on the internet but make sure you make those videos because it's going to get you more confident over time and then by doing that then now he's actually putting stuff on YouTube where he's putting himself out to the world and it all comes down to like taking that first step of just making the videos that no one ever saw and are probably like on some hard drive or deleted or something now but it's all a process of building and you're not going to be the most confident person the first time you put a camera in front of your face because it's not natural it's not something that we're used to doing but you have to make it like, but nothing we do, none of the skills we have, we were born with. It's something that we've all learned and they are all learnable skills. So I think it is just a matter of getting started, getting the momentum, moving in that right direction, because as long as you're always moving towards a goal, you're always getting closer to achieving it.
1: One word that comes up in our iTunes reviews quite a lot, and if you haven't left us a review on iTunes, don't wait for everyone else to do it. Please go and leave us a review right now. But- one of the words that comes up a lot is the word relatable and which is very lovely. And thank you to everyone who says that. But the reason why people say relatable is because they can see themselves in us. When they listen to this yeah. podcast, they they can see that we're not a million miles ahead of where they want to get to. And so because of that, like, it's so funny, like when, when we did the event, when we did Access um, this week, and you get people coming on the call and going, oh, I can't believe I'm talking to you. And like, that's so wild for us because we can't believe that we're talking to you. We can't believe that anyone wants to talk to us. It's, it's <laughs> we, we literally are just two dudes. Well, three of you include Yana, who did a thing. And now we're like talking to people about it. And it's like you can do the things that we have done. Like they are totally achievable if you are holding yourself back then have a fucking word with yourself like this is us having a word with you now like stop listening to whatever that bullshit is in your head and like just do the thing like we've done the thing and you can
0: see the successes that are coming from us doing the thing you can too do the thing you can do the thing and i think what is great to do at the end of every day is just look back and be like what momentum did i did i create today how did i move closer to where i want to be and if the answer is I didn't make anything then tomorrow there needs to be something different happening because it's like even if it is just the smallest thing you do every day over time that will amount to so much more
1: and so on the topic of live events here is the audio of a live event that we did uh before covid hit and it was with the absolutely marvelous Kelliana and this episode I think is one of our most important episodes that we've ever done um listening back to it the advice in here is it's like especially if you want to become an artist but I I think really a lot of it is is relatable to anyone the the journey like the way Kellyanna broke down her journey and and everything that's involved in this podcast I think is is a must listen so I'm really excited for people to um to hear this one
0: yeah absolutely must listen as David said there and yeah It's like even if you're not an actual artist, like there are so many lessons in this that are completely like you can take them and use them in in anything that you're doing. Um, So let's get into this episode. Yes, indeed. Kelly Anna is a freelance print designer and
1: artist. She's had her designs worn by Beyonce, painted murals across the world, and has collaborated with brands like Nike and Lego. Her work is a bold mix of power, athleticism, femininity, and movement, a style that is an amalgamation of her entire
0: life really and her artistic career in this episode we talk about being creative finding a style and money
2: literally i think i must have tripled the prices and again it still didn't deter people it didn't stop so i was like fuck i could have been so so much more
1: today we're joined by kellyana who i've been a fan of for a long time who is an amazing artist anya Thanks. (laughs) universally like your work has really taken off i think there's there's different parts of your work that people sort of really relate to Mm -hmm. um and when i look at your stuff i feel like movement is i'm moving as i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) energy movement movement. and energy is really important like where do you find your themes for the for the work you're creating currently
2: i don't know if you know my backstory but um i grew up as a dancer Well, we're going
1: to find out your backstory. Um, Yeah, Yeah. let's go deep.
2: (laughs) Um, So I grew up as a boring Malatin dancer. Everyone finds that really weird, but I've said it enough now. It's not that shocking anymore. Um, Yeah, so I grew up as a boring Malatin dancer and I also was a gymnast as well. Um, And my dad, yeah, my dad was an artist and he was, um, he's pretty much my art tutor growing up. um, And he loved the figure and he loved drawing um he loved life drawing and all of that so we pretty much I grew up doing that and then um I started kind of practicing uh, at uh, dancing competitions so I kind of go along to these competitions and watch all the dances and so would
0: you be taking part in these at the same time
2: yeah <laughs> well I, yeah I was, so yeah, very I was young,
0: dancing around with her. and
2: <laughs> no, I wasn't dancing and drawing yeah. um but I would yeah if I wasn't competing then
1: I'd be drawing um did you ever feel like self-conscious of doing that like whipping out a sketchbook and was everyone like what what I are you doing I was so young yeah I
2: don't think I gave a shit Great. About any of that. So, uh, yeah, no, I was too young really. And then.
1: It's funny, isn't it, how we get older, we
0: start giving more of a shit. Yeah. Yeah. What was it about the kind of time you had free that made you want to sit and draw?
2: I always, I mean, I was so shit, don't get me wrong. When I was young, uh, my dad was like, he was naturally good at drawing from like an early age. From like, uh, I see sketches he did when he was like, f- like 13, 14. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, they were so good. Whereas I didn't naturally have that. Um, I was more, I kind of was more expressive with my drawing, whereas dad was very literal. Yeah. So every time I would draw something and it was a bit out of shape or anything and it wasn't exactly what was in front of me, dad would literally be like, no, nope, start again. And so I'd always kind of try and make it exactly what I saw, but it never kind of, it never, it was, it for me, it didn't feel good. I wanted to kind of create something different rather than what, what was exactly in front of me
1: and what but you think even though he was criticizing you you still kept going because it's a really tricky one isn't it because a yeah. lot of us when we get that criticism from someone like you put your heart and soul into your mm. work and it doesn't feel nice when someone goes that's not good enough no or, it feels
2: awful yeah. but at the same
1: time <laughs> they obviously like helped you grow and learn yeah. did he have sort of a technique of like I'm being harsh here but at the same time like <laughs> no. no okay well <laughs> quite remarkable, no, actually. That you no, he
2: wasn't like, I'm making it sound like he was awful, but dad's hilarious and he's awesome. But um, he wasn't the most, he wasn't the best teacher because he'd literally be like, no, shit, start again. So, wow. but I had this thing, I, I was just like, I just wanted to kind of prove to myself and 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 just because I enjoyed it. So I just kept it up and then I kind of kept it up through high school and, and then I was kind of, I was going to end up being a, I was going to be a dancer um, and then went to art school and then it wasn't cool to dance in art school at that time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So at school, would you say you were good at art?
2: No, I think I was, what I was good at was, um, creating lots, (laughs) lots of work and kind of making, every, everything I did was more about, um, creating projects and creating themes and like, um, not necessarily technically, I wasn't, I mean, I don't think I was great at drawing. Maybe I was better than... Because I had no confidence back Mm. then. Well, your dad destroyed it, by the way. I know. (laughs) know. God, sorry, dad. Um, (laughs) uh, No, but I think... Yeah, back then, I I was kind of still finding myself and still finding my style. And I mean, that still took years anyway, after college and uni, whatever.
0: So what did your your kind of style look like at this point?
2: Um, Well, I had, throughout um, high school... Uh, and kind of when I started uh, when I went to study a national diploma, I really got into fashion, um, and so I started doing fashion illustration. And
0: as in like traditional kind of watercolor. Tradi- exactly yeah, tradition. Exactly
2: that. And um, and then I ended up from that going th- thinking that I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I ended up studying fashion design, and then I realised I'm shit and can't pattern cut. So I'd gone into this course, and I was like. Oh my God, I've like left my hometown, gone to London, become like, I wanted to become like this big fashion designer boss lady, but, and I was just like, that's not going to work because I can't pack cut. <laughs> <laughs> so then I found fashion illustration, a uni course at London College of Fashion.
0: And did you move on to that?
2: Yeah. I literally did a year in fashion design, um, completely failed it. And then I was like, what the fuck? I can't move back. I so I can't move back to Ipswich and get a nine to five. I was like, I've already done it. I've moved. Um, so yeah, I moved on to this course. And then so you always
1: had that idea of the nine to five wasn't really for you? No. Yeah.
2: I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I could never, I could never do it. I don't think, I'd get so bored. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I think.
1: And so when you were on that course, was that when you did the fashion show stuff?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So when I, I won a competition in my first year to, um, to live illustrate at Fashion Week um, and then so I'd sit front row and sketch the looks as they came down the catwalk.
1: I mean, pressure, like that's incredible. <laughs> Do you
2: know what? It's, it's really weird. I think because when I was sketching, dancing and that movement i kind of was always used to
1: yeah, getting so down quickly, lines yeah.
2: quickly and dad if you see dad draw as well he's so quick at sketching and he almost the paper rips because he's that Whoa. he's really yeah. furious with his lines
1: but he's, he's angry like, your Dad. taking out <laughs> the paper now
2: he really is the nicest guy and he's a boring Latin dancer as well so he's like really gracious um He's a. You know, he sounds like a strange guy, um, but he, yeah, no, he's he's so passionate in his drawing, and that in that kind of, and he's so confident with his mark making, yeah. and I think that's where I got it from. Um, and so, but I mean, don't get me wrong, the first sketch I did was literally a stick man, <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I can't show them this. <laughs> but yeah,
1: and then you did it for five seasons.
2: Yeah, uh, for, Yeah, about four seasons.
1: So yeah. l- let's forget five seasons into it. Like, how did you feel like day one when you sit down there and you're like, I've got to do Your
2: this? Your hands sweat really badly. Oh, that sounds disgusting, does it? <laughs> but it was, it was so, because obviously like it's really hot in there and the lights are on. And like people are watching you because you've got a sketch pad. People are like watching you going, what, what is she doing? Yeah. Um, but, and then, oh, and then I, dropped a, um, I dropped my rubber on the floor. And li- I'm not joking, literally the model's foot stepped right in front of it and I was like, no, <sighs> dropping a yeah. rubber I mean, like onto you drop the catwalk. it and it goes
0: like bounce, 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 <laughs> and you're like,
2: It was oh. so embarrassing. She breaks
1: it. her ankle and then you're <laughs> oh <my God>. fired. <laughs> that <laughs> is so
2: something that would happen to me as well. Um, yeah, yeah, no, but luckily no one stepped on it. <laughs>
0: I got away with it. <laughs> so by the end of show one, how, yeah. how has your confidence grown?
2: Um, I mean, throughout all the shows, I got so much. I, I obviously got much better because I think, it's. I think that it's that idea of just really loosening up. And I know, I know sometimes, like when you sit down with a sketch pad and that first sketch you draw is shit. It, like I, it takes me so long just to get into the to the rhythm of it. Um, Yeah,
1: I mean, for me, and I don't know if people here will relate, but the most frightening thing to me is a blank sketchbook. Yeah. When you just get that first page and it's like, oh my God.
2: Yeah, I I hate that. I can't, I normally have to start with like a paper collage or like something that's a bit more. And
1: I I always flip like three pages in as well. I can't start (laughs) on the first page. It's so (laughs) stupid.
2: It's so weird, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I was um, watching something the other day, actually, and they were talking about ways to get started when you you just with a blank thing. And they said like the best thing to do is go back to something you've done before and just start, like, finishing it off. So, like, if you've got a previous drawing, just start adding some bits to that, tweaking it, and then when you go to the blank page, you're already in a bit of flow, so yeah. then you get straight into it. Yeah. That's
1: good advice, yeah.
2: Because it is, it's is, It's really, you feel really stiff, because it is, a lot of what we do, and a lot of, like, the mark-making we do, it's, you've got to be free, and kind of, um, you've got to have a little bit of naivety, and a bit of, um, yeah. I think as you grow older, that that naivety kind of, you don't have it so much so
1: Mm. do you think that's because like through practice you just become almost too polished so you have to remind yourself yeah Yeah, I
2: think so and I think a lot of uh, you know illustrators and artists because you build yourself up and then you've got your style um style is such a huge thing I end up talking about it to so many students as well um but you 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 kind of become this thing um and then to move even outside and experiment with new things yeah um can be really really tricky
1: yeah um, and it's across all of the arts it's like music yeah if, if you yeah decide to all of a sudden incorporate some jazz into your thing then your fans are going to reject gonna you gonna
2: be like what is what are you doing yeah it's like I don't know I'm just playing
1: yeah I'm <laughs> just having a bit of fun <laughs> yeah we should have permission to
2: I know but it happens so much I I have this conversation with so many of my mates who are artists and illustrators Um, and so many of them and you know myself as well you kind of get yourself into this thing where you're like oh can I try that is that my can I go down that route Um, but we shouldn't be like that because that's just really restrictive Mm.
0: yeah Yeah, we were talking recently about if you do your thing eighty percent of the time, have twenty percent of the time to go and experiment with other stuff. Yeah, steps. So definitely. I think trying new things is only going to make you good How move forward grow. otherwise? Exactly. Yeah. So going back there, like, how 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 does someone find a style?
2: Um, I think style's so hard. It's the, it's the, it is honestly the one thing people ask, and and I think, um, my style just graduate throughout because I ended up doing print design. Um, after the fashion illustration course um, it was right so I got to the end of uni I was like oh my god what am I going to do with this useless course um, in fashion illustration <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun course but um, yeah what jobs are in fashion illustration none so um,
1: I think that's the problem that so many people are facing that <laughs> we've spent three years on a degree in, and now and it just has no real world implications yeah. Yeah. And there's probably some people in here who are on one of those courses right now but I think that's a fine head no it's there. fine <laughs> it's, I, yeah that's it that's the guys, thing isn't it's it? totally
2: fine I did it um I did a really shit useless course um not saying that your course is <laughs> any shit or useless. <laughs> but um yeah I, I interned a lot I pretty much started interning in the first year um, so, and I was interning at uh, print houses so I was doing print design so then when I left I got uh, my first job was was a print designer um, so that was a lucky that was my lucky break into getting a job in the industry um, but yeah I, whilst I became a print designer and I was kind of living in that world um, unlike some of my other um, friends now who pretty much left uni and started freelance I was working for other people for like s- six years um, and it was only until about three years ago now that I actually really went out and did my own thing
1: and are you um, happy that you went that route and that you had mm. those six years working in a real business to like that shaped your business moving forward yeah
2: I I don't I am so grateful that I I went that route because I through that I learned everything from everything from agency side um to you know working with factories, working on how, how you get um something from a sketch all the way through to product, end product. And that is so valuable because mm as an artist now, it's not just about, you know, working on a 2D sketch. It's about bringing that to life somehow. Um, and how do we do that through product, through, you know, exhibit, even in exhibitions, it's taught me how to create various product and different things. And,
1: um, yeah, I mean, we always say to people, if there's a job that you want to do, and there's something that you think you might be good at, you can either try it on your own and guess. Or you can work under someone who's done that thing. Yeah. And you can learn, because we only learn by doing. You can read every single business book on the planet and you'll learn loads, but it won't prepare you for just the little things that happen, like working with a client, the the things that go on on emails, just these little things. You can only learn those by by diving in and actually doing it. Yeah, exactly.
2: And also just learning. I learned so much of how to talk to people, Mm. how to email, you know, how to... Um, negotiate with clients, and you know all of those things that I would never have known if I'd just gotten out of uni. So I, I do always say to students as well: it's like, don't worry if you're you've just left and you're like, oh my god, what? I've not I'm not becoming this amazing artist that I thought I was going to be. Give yourself time because it, it can take years one to find the style that you're really happy mm-hmm. with. Um, And you probably, you've just come out of uni, you're probably not going to have your style ready. Unless you're one of the lucky few, yes, who, you know, becomes a graduate and like gets in the top 10, (laughs) um, who are amazing. But also, you know, sometimes you see it and they hit their high very early on and they've not necessarily had the experience to keep moving it forward. Yeah. Um, And
1: also you learn so much from being in the nitty gritty, like being... I think having that instant success doesn't then set you up for as the roller coaster
0: goes down, which it inevitably yeah. does. Yeah, it's almost like child actors, isn't it? It's like they get mm. this massive rush when they're a kid, yeah, and then go mentally crazy, and then you never see them again.
2: Yeah, because you don't because as you as you grow up and you you like you say the nitty that you're in the nitty gritty and you learn and you're you know you're having to deal with the really shit boss and you're having to deal with you know. Um, People at work that you need to kind of, your co workers that you need to kind of get on with, and all of these different things that you learn when you're working at a company. You can't, work, you don't necessarily learn that on your own. Yeah. Especially as a freelance artist.
1: Yeah. I always say to people, like, whatever job you're in now, even if it seems like this is the most waste of time job, you're still learning something, whether it's, yeah, dealing with clients. Like, yeah. I mean, I used to work in a mobile phone shop. Yeah. I mean, Oh, the, the worst the absolute worst like one of those guys like trying to sell you a contract awful um I mean I was really honest I was just like look Vodafone's over there going like and, but that actually surprisingly I did really well because people yeah. just respected that rather than because our rule in our shop was if you let someone leave they're never going to come back and I think that's probably like you can see it now can't you now when you go into a shop like oh they don't want me to leave it's like so I was always like no go on go go and check everything out and then come back to me and then people go oh well actually no oh, my I won't bother yeah. yeah Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so oh, it anyway changing. I don't know why I'm talking about mobile phones, <laughs> but um but I learned so much about sales because like yeah. sales is as a creative sales is a like key part of your it's of your huge, business because yeah. you can be the best creator in the world but if you don't know how to then market it and get it out to the people yeah. and I, I mean for example one thing I learned from selling mobile phones is that if you say to someone here's your contract it's going to be I'm going to do maths now Adam yeah <laughs> <laughs> right, get Keep ready um, yeah. I'm right so here's your contract I'm it's all oh, let me do the easy numbers right it's 20 pounds a month and then your insurance is 10 pounds a month and then here's a case for five pounds so in total it comes to 35 quid right round of applause yes I, yeah Thank you. um long-time listeners will know I can't count um but um you don't do that what you say is it'll be 35 pounds plus I'll throw in a free case for you and your insurance right. and your insurance covers you for this 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 and this <gasps> But Clear that's off. but that's the same. Like now, if we're quoting like twenty k for a mural, it's mm-hmm. like if you then come back and go, I forgot the powered access. It's gonna be that's gonna be yeah, five five k right. on top, and yeah. then and you start adding all these costs up. Then all of a sudden, it's your clients longer. annoyed from you. I learned that in a mobile phone shop yeah. of like give them the final cost. Like think. Have, have some <laughs> contingency money for mm-hmm. stuff that will go wrong that you will never, like, foresee. And then if it doesn't go wrong, then that's bonus money. Great. But, like, always have it in there because then if you do need to send boards in a van to, across town or, you, like, mm-hmm. everything that you will have forgotten, then, you, then you're covered. Yeah. yeah so you're and
2: not- and it always, there's always added costs. Always. I'm realising yeah. that. It's Always pretty, lost so much money through that, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you, you can't bopped, go back uh, on your quote, that's yeah, the or thing.
2: Your
1: thing. That's the thing because you just piss, piss yeah, people yeah, off, yeah. That's
0: just bad business. But I think that's experience as well, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's like you, you probably wouldn't read that in a book, but by yeah. making the mistakes, you learn. Yeah. And then, next time you add on, and then as you've been doing it for years and years, then yeah. you find it to a stage where it works really well, and you just charge them loads anyway, and exactly. then exactly. <laughs> Covered, yeah
1: charge more like charge whatever more it is always. you guys are charging charge more honestly yeah,
2: I always say that because uh, um I've got a, a mentee at the moment and I'm always just like, she's like oh should I charge this and I'm like no you need to like literally triple that yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. but um yeah, I think, I think costing up is really hard when I you're think, new to it.
1: Especially when you're doing something that you love, which yeah. for most of us, that's the goal is like, oh, I want to do something that I'm really happy and fulfilled. And I go into work every day and I'm like, oh, I get to do this thing that I really love. And then they feel guilty of I've got the best job in the world. I can't then go and ask for money for that. And they get really funny over actually charging for things.
2: Yeah, but that doesn't pay your bills. Exactly. And, and when your tax comes in and you've got to pay that, that's when you're like, shit, I need to charge these people more. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, because it's, it's real life and it's like you've got to pay your rent.
1: Yeah, 100%. So. And because if you can't pay your rent, then you can't keep doing the thing that you love. Yeah. And you can't keep helping people. It's like we had someone on the podcast recently who was talking about if as a creative, you don't get like get an understanding of sales and marketing, you are stealing from people. And because she, she's like, there's if your work brings joy to people, yeah. then you want them to have that. Yeah. And we associate sales and marketing with all these negative things of like, that it's dishonest or that you're conning people or whatever. It, and it's not like that. It's just no. telling people that you exist. Here's here's some rad shit I made. Do you want to buy it? Like, if not, that's cool. Yeah. But like, it's here. And it's always like, I guess it's asking, isn't it? It's like, it's here if you want it. Being yeah, a hustler.
2: Yeah. you got to hustle. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the thing. People don't, um, people get so scared to like, sell their work as an as a as a, a product but actually it is a product and it's and and you and you're right like you make it makes people happy so just you know
0: what's it's been your journey in terms of pricing then
2: all oh, right it's really weird actually because um well it, are you talking about jobs um, just in terms of or?
0: just in terms of going from like having some art you're creating to like the first person buying it to then realizing actually I can charge more for this
2: yeah so when I first I set up my website um, a couple of years ago and when I first set it up I was putting on prints for like I think I put them on for like 50 pound or something and then I was getting loads of orders which was great Um, and then fairly I mean I started slowly putting them up and every time I put it up the sales never dropped. So I was like, okay, no one, no one knows. i you know, I was never, I was never going, Oh, my prices have got, you know, I I was just doing it quietly on the side and seeing if it worked and people were still buying. And then, um, my partner probably like last year was like this, you can't sell your work for this cheap. Like it, you've got to see it not as decoration. You've got to see it as art. Um, And so I literally, I think I must have tripled the prices. And again, it still didn't deter people, it didn't stop. So I was like, fuck, I could have been so (laughs) so much more. Um, But again, I didn't, again, it was the confidence thing. And I was like, oh, who's gonna, no one's gonna wanna pay that. But actually nothing was stopping me in the first place, just trying it. Cause when we have our own websites, what's stopping you to go, do you know what? Put up a piece for 600 pound.
0: See, see, what see what happens yeah
2: there's nothing stopping you um and you know even if you're it, there's a voice in the back of your head going oh who you know who does she think she is selling that for that who cares if you've sold a piece for 600 or yeah. wh- whatever you want to sell because there's for. someone out
0: there selling one for a hundred thousand
2: exactly and so um and then yeah and then another thing i have started doing is um you know really looking into the printing and screen prints and um looking into editions and learning all about that side, you know, how much people love the editions and um, and that kind of adds a real a real value to it. So, and I work with the really amazing screen printers. Because um, that's
0: the thing as well, isn't it? It's like, if you charge more for it, you can create a better quality product. Exactly. Which at the end of the day is going to represent you better.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, screen printing is so expensive and you don't, and it is a, it's a hard one because you spend so much, you put so much money into it um, and then you really just <laughs> hope that you make the sales back but again if you if it's screen printed people often know that it's going to be more expensive anyway
1: and and I suppose you you get to that stage like because you're now at that stage where you've got enough experience that you know if you do a run of prints yeah. they're most likely going to sell yeah whereas like and and you just build up to that stage so yeah. if you're putting your first things up on your website don't in, and get invest thousands and thousands of yeah. pounds. I
2: don't think you need to. Um, I think you know, start slowly. Um, and and it's the same with all business. If there's a demand for it, it it, it will slowly build up anyway. Yeah. But um, I think don't. When I remember when I first started um, and before I had the web shop, I couldn't I couldn't imagine um, doing a shop or doing an online shop because I, I was just always like, but who would buy this? I don't have enough money to print how do I start this production how do I but all I did was literally put up one print and I it was a clay print put it up um and I hadn't lost any money because I saw I did it per order um so I think there's just you've got to find ways to get around don't scare yourself don't be like okay I'm going to release 10 prints and a t-shirt and a you know yeah
0: (laughs) and before you sold your first one had people been coming to you and saying how can I buy this
2: yeah and I had nowhere to. I was like, I don't know, I don't have any. Um So yeah, I. I, I that's why I kind of started it because um, I had a bit of interest, and then because um, I was only really doing client work before that. And then I was like, I could probably make a bit of money on the side. Yeah. And my I, dad always taught me, make money while you while you sleep. So. <laughs> and it does. It makes. Money, you know, it's a yeah. good way for
0: that. Yes, yeah, so I think like if you're if you ever want to sell a product, ever want to sell anything, if you're starting anything you're passionate about, do it for free and just keep doing it until you get to a stage where people message you and saying, how can I give you money for this? And I think as soon as that happens, that's when you know it's time to do it. Because if you just think, oh, I'm going to release like like years ago probably like eight years ago now we thought we'll make a merch line we'll get these different create all these different t-shirts we'll put them out we'll sell them for like 15 pounds each if we sell if we sell we've still got them if you want to buy a t-shirt see us afterwards
1: we'll do a good deal
0: like oh if we sell if we sell a thousand that's like 15 grand that's amazing exactly but you just don't have no idea so yeah we bought loads of t-shirts got them them, but no one ever asked for them it was like we just thought we could make money doing this but I think if you've got, if people start asking for something and you're not currently selling it, that's the time to start offering it yeah. as a service. Yeah. Which obviously seemed to work well for you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I won't do a thousand t-shirts.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, if people start asking for t-shirts, yeah. then start doing them. Yeah.
2: But, I mean, I do, I do my t-shirts now. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so
1: in terms of like listening to your journey there, when I look at your work and like you're talking about style and we've talked about both things of like just having the patience of like keeping going. When I look at your work, it's like, your style, I can see the print design in there. Mm. I can see the fashion design in there, like the the figurative drawings, and I can see the dancing in there. It's like you are your style is an amalgamation of your experiences, and it's yeah. like once you hear those, it's like really clear. It's like oh yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's really obvious.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the thing with with style. It's just it is just a build up of what you love. Yeah. Um. And it should be that. It shouldn't be anything forced. It shouldn't be like a trend or, um, you know, there are going to be moments where it falls into the trend of what's going on. There's, You know, there's like everyone, we can't kid ourselves. There are trends in everything in illustration art. Of course. Um, But no one should be ashamed of being a part of that time Mm -hmm. because it's our world now and we share and we, you know, we all look at the same things and we have the same... um, you know, uh, I can't think of what the word I'm looking for. Um, re- you know, we all researched the same things. And yeah. So, um yeah. yeah I, especially
0: I think like with Instagram as well. It's like everyone yeah. sees the same pictures. It's yeah. like I saw something come up on a story earlier and then about 40 minutes or an hour later, someone else in the office was like, oh, it's just someone else. I'm oh going have you seen this video of this. And yeah. I was like, so weird. It's it is. We, we all
2: look at the same things. So, of course, we're all going to, you know, the the trend's, but it's the same in fashion, it's like the same trends, it's the same in movies, everything.
0: And do you do anything to try and like research things that you've no experience in to try and get away from those trends?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think that's just not natural that we all try and kind of come away. So like, that's the thing about you know going to see shows that you wouldn't normally go and see, or like even like some of your mates. Like, you know, sometimes there's people, there's styles that I don't necessarily like, but I don't think you should close yourself off to it Mm -hmm. because sometimes um you know they'll have a different viewpoint and it's quite nice just to listen to what they have to say about things I mean you
1: can learn stuff from anyone yeah exactly and yeah and especially especially artists I think it's really important to have those conversations and to collaborate because I don't think we do it enough yeah I think we get very sort of like boxed into what we're working on and especially when it comes to styles (laughs) this is the style I like and they're not looking Outside, whereas like that's that's creativity is like yeah. taking those other influences from different places because yeah, because you don't know what you're gonna find if you don't look.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um yeah.
1: I heard you say once in a in a talk, um, be stupidly confident. Oh yeah. <laughs> People
2: did, really picked up on that.
1: What did you mean by that?
2: I was I was where was I? In I was in I was doing the talk in Brisbane, yeah, and I was in my room and I was so hungover. And I was just putting my slides together, and I, I chucked that slide in right at the end because I was talking about um, murals and how I'd so my I did my first ex- solo exhibition. I did my first ever exhibition. And it was a solo one. <laughs> um, remind me to go back to that story. All right, we we'll put story a pin about in that. that. Um, and and I basically decided at my first show to do five murals, um, and I'd never done one before. <laughs> and I decided that because I kept seeing all these artists that I love doing murals and I was like yeah but I want to do some surely it's easy (laughs) so so I was stupidly confident and ended up doing five at my show worst idea I've ever had because I had three days um the walls were awful and they were like brick. Yeah, three days
1: is not long. No, no, no.
2: yeah, exactly. And I didn't know what brushes to use. I didn't, it was awful. And I had to rope in loads of people to come and help me. We got it done in the end, but um, yeah, I learned a lot. But then after I got asked to do them all over and I've done like 16 since. So is
1: being stupidly confident, um, is that, Buying off more than you can chew.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Diving in the deep end. Because the thing is, if you don't, I think sometimes it's it's the idea that um, you fake it till you make it a little bit. Because everything I do, and if it's something new, I'll always pretend I've got, it's a little bit of cockiness to be like, yeah, no, don't worry, I can do that. And then making sure that you can do it after. Hence what I did with you guys when I called you about the wall.
1: Yeah. Do you want to explain? <laughs> like, remember, only us have had that conversation, so you might want to fill these guys up.
2: Um, yeah, so I was supposed to do a massive building, um, and I basically said yes to this building. I'd never done a building before, ever. I mean, I've only done inside murals. Um, how big was it? Like seven it's big, isn't it? It's like seven? No.
1: Where's... 17.
2: They're uh, uh, 17
1: meters. 17. So that's like meter, six stories. Six stories, seven Five story building. Six, yeah. Thank um, you to Yana, our business our, uh, <laughs> partner, oh, no. who's in the yeah, crowd right. <laughs> who knows that. It's um, not just a random who knows yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, How happened? do you know that? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, and then I, they emailed me and like, can you do this? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, of course I can. Totally got it sorted. And then they said we can do it for this cost, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, all good. And then I actually thought about it, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I actually can't do that at all." So then I was like, "What am I going to do? I've got this massive building yeah. to paint." Um, so then I started looking around for like people, and then you guys came up. And I remember getting on the phone and being like, "All right, guys, I've said yes to this job. You need to help me out, please." <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys were like, "Okay, send us your stuff, and we'll see if we can help yeah. you." I'm and looking then, forward to
1: that. When, when are we doing it? March?
2: Yeah, March. Well,
1: I need to check. Oh, I will talk. That. Yeah, boring work. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, um, that's going to be exciting. I think that's something that we've always done, isn't it? Is say yes first and then work
0: out how you're going to do it later. Yeah, because yeah.
2: you'll, you'll figure it out. You will figure it out. Trust me. If you've, if you've said, yeah.
0: You yeah. If there's a slight inkling that you can do it, yeah, just, just do give it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah.
2: Fuck it. You'll sort it out. Don't worry. Yeah,
0: someone else is paying for it. It's fine.
1: <laughs> we're
2: we're going to get loads of emails. Let's really feel like I couldn't do it. No, it'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Um, with your brand work, so you've worked for a lot of different brands like um, Lego, which I thought was super cool, yeah. um, and Nike, and like a bunch of brands. Um. What you've done marvellously well that we're quite bad at is um, you like maintain your your style within the work that you produce for them. Because um, for <laughs> us, like, uh, like so for example, we're doing something for Burberry at the moment and it is like literally to the Pantone references, like Ooh. this is what we want and that's that's what we're producing. How have you managed to um, keep that kind of integrity of like, this is what you're getting and it's Kelliana?
2: Um I think... At the beginning, it wasn't so much, um, and I would end up having those discussions with the client and being like, oh, it's feeling a bit too far away from me now. Yeah. What's going on? Like, you've hired me. H- hire me. Yeah. Don't hire my hands and use someone else. Um, so a lot of it is is having those boundaries. I know that isn't as easy because when you get a brand come to you that you love and you're like, oh, I really want to work with you. Um, but you have to throughout the whole process ask questions and be like, Why am I why am I doing this? Um and if it's not gonna look like you and you're not gonna share it, what's the point in doing it? Yeah. Um so I think it's just about asking certain questions and being like, Would you mind if I kept this colour palette? Would you mind if I maybe moved more, you know, this direction? It's just about asking more questions. And I think if you're confident with it, um, a lot of the time they kind of, a lot of the time they don't really know what they want until you, you know, you kind of give them something good. I Tell don't know. them what they want. Tell them yeah. what they want. Yeah. Uh, but it is a tricky one. It is hard because, you know, brands have their, their own aesthetic, but I think it takes years. And once you get more established and once you get more confidence, it's a lot easier to to say no. Yeah. Um,
0: so, once a brief comes in from a client, what does that first conversation look like?
2: Uh, it depends what what the what it is. That so that Lego one was hilarious. So they 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 got me to do this Lego piece, and um, I it was like we had to just.
1: It's like a big minifigure, wasn't it? One of yeah, their one of their, their Lego original, men, yeah, yeah. Um, but made of wood.
2: Yeah, and um, we could do anything we wanted with it. And so I decided to to do me. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to do my own Lego minifigure, um, and that they it was so ridiculous, but they allowed it, and they and it was just like because I had said to them, I was like, I really want to do this. I think it's going to be really, really great. A Lego piece of <laughs> myself <laughs> that sounds so weird, um, but I think things like that, it's it's that kind of that idea of having a lot of fun with things and not being so serious um and a lot of the time you can get away with putting extra things in as well which is what i like to do i've done a lot of stuff with nike and a lot of the time um if i feel really passionate about something an added um piece to add in a lot of the time they'll do it cuz the so project what, so
1: so they'd come to you with a brief and you'd mm-hmm. say but what if we also do yeah. tote bags or... Yeah.
2: yeah, I think a lot of the time we think once you've got your project, that's it. Yeah. But actually, it's it's already there. The theme's there, the project's set up. There's What's the harm in going, do you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to add in this, I'm going to design this. I'm not saying give yourself extra work, but if it's for a brand that you love and you're going to get a lot from it, why not push... It forward. They'll yeah. probably have a bit of extra budget to mm. throw in, which is a lot of the time they, you know, if you design it, if you have the package ready to give them, um, they often they say yes. Yeah, so.
1: I think brands are getting better at how they treat artists now as well. Yeah, and I think they're starting to realise. I mean, obviously, it's going to depend brand to brand, but I think because um, we ha- we had this conversation with Adam J Kurtz when uh, when he was on, and I think they the think this was off mic, but. There's a lot of brands who will exploit artists, but I don't think you should walk around being afraid that that's going to happen. Because like a lot of kind of your friends and contemporaries are working for these brands and they're just like a Nike is just run by people. And so hopefully when you get through to them, they do realize like, okay, this is this is your living. And and I think they are getting better at like certainly paying and not demanding free work.
2: No, I I mean, my experience has been really positive with it. Um, And I think, again, I I think it does come down to like years of growing and developing confidence. Because confidence is key when you're talking to clients. Because as soon as you feel they've got the one up on you, you've lost. Yeah. You really have to go in and be like, right, what are we doing? and, And really have that energy because as soon as they start getting the one up on you, like this is what we want. This is, this is our project. It's like, well, that's not a collab then. That's not how yes. it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and it should be that kind of energy where you're like, Oh my God, let's, you know.
1: And I suppose that power comes from, they've got the wallet. They've got the purse strings.
2: Yeah. But then, then they've got you in for a reason. Yeah. Because you've got something that they can't, they haven't got necessarily. Yeah,
1: I think so. F- so for us, um, in the early days we were getting a lot of this like 30 day payment term 90 day payment terms from some of the biggest companies in the world that are then waiting you making you wait 90 days before they pay you which i think is like just corrupt really yeah. and so all of a sudden someone said someone suggested to us well why don't you ask for payment up front and we had never considered that that would be an option because you just when you go into the world of work everything is presented to you as this is how it is yeah and and for the most part we just accept it and we go oh this is how it is okay i will do what you say mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden we were like okay payment up front and if you can't do payment up front then at least 50 percent deposit yeah. and so we've we've had like some of the biggest brands in the world going oh well no that's not our payment policies and we go back and go well it's not our payment policy
0: yeah yeah we can't start painting and we can't start been paid yeah and then always find a way yeah of course they will
1: we've had people running over town with a with a credit card in an uber (laughs) to make a 50 percent payment because we've literally gone we can't we can't arrive without you paying us and especially if you're going to be buying materials and all of that sort of stuff yeah because you're
2: the one out of pocket yeah Yeah. buying all the materials but a lot
1: of artists won't ask they'll buy all of the materials they'll and then they'll wait the 90 days and it's like we have to understand that if these clients want us and they want our work they're going to have to play by our rules and yeah. I think we need to be just a bit braver and it's like you said confidence yeah.
2: that's uh, that's a really good
0: bit of advice I don't even do that do you ever say no to people
2: yeah yeah not um I, it's not, I don't like saying no but I but there's there's often times where I don't feel the brand's right for sure that there's happens quite a lot and I don't um you just I, so sometimes it's really good money, but it just, I cannot, I can't use it because it's just so far beyond something that I've built up. And I yeah. don't, money money will come. I think if you stay true to yourself, and I know I, I don't like to also say that because I'm realistic as well. Like, again, we've got to pay the rent, we've got to live. And um, I, hate when, I hate when snobby people are just like, don't take the big jobs for the commercial. It's just like, well, you're an artist. I mean, what yeah. the fuck are you supposed to do? Yeah. Um. So, so, but I think that you do have to be clever because, in the long run, if you keep working for brands that aren't you and don't have your same message, and then you kind of, yeah, I don't think it's good for you.
1: We just put a really in- interesting episode with a guy called Mike and one of the things he said is when, um, he just sold his company for like $11 million and, <laughs> gotcha. and, uh, and when he, like, as they were building the company, the thing that they would always say is, does it make the boat go faster? And they mm-hmm. would only do things that make the boat go faster. And so for them, it was, there was a, a 90,000 pound Google contract and they said, does, does this make the boat go faster? And it actually didn't. So they turned down 90,000 pounds in favor of 300 quid from some of the subscribers who were on their service and everyone thought they were completely crazy but it turned out to be the the right the right business decision because it would have it would have it wouldn't have made the boat go faster so I guess it's having that in your head all the time and I think
2: you yeah you have a gut feeling you just know when something isn't right and you're just like yeah some of the some of the brands I'm just like it doesn't it doesn't sit right with me I'm like Hmm. I don't I don't like what they're saying I don't like their tone of voice I don't I don't have you ever
1: had any experiences where you've had that gut feeling and you've gone ahead anyway and Um, it's because for us we have done that yeah and 100% of the time where we've had the bad gut feeling in the beginning it's been a bad project yeah
2: yeah I, I can't think of one right now but I know I have yeah um I'm just so, always to trust be, your gut. Yeah. Is
1: the
0: always moral trust of the story. your gut. Yeah. Because
2: what we do is all about feeling anyway. It's all about, you know, that energy and that. Um, that's why we do it. We do it because we love it. It's, you know, I think it's, um, yeah, trust yourself and your, your instincts.
1: So, I'm going to read you a quote of a thing what you've, what you've said that I thought oh, was God. good. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell people what you want, and slowly it will start to happen.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, that wasn't too You're bad. like, oh, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think, yeah, well, that I was, I think I was talking about. Um, if you, you, like the mural thing, if you, um, if you want to become a mural artist, start telling people you're a mural artist. That's kind of what I did. And it worked. <laughs> um, but if you, no one else is going to tell you, like no one else is going to, find out that you're something if you're not putting it out there, basically.
1: I think it's such great advice because I I know like people leave uni and they put everything up of like, I did some ceramic because like just in the hope of to catch someone in the net, I did some ceramics and here's some of my murals and here's some of my large scale paintings on canvas. And it's just, whereas if you start putting out, because I mean, a lot of your um, work being around sport has brought in sport related clients that you've wanted.
2: yeah. I think that's um, massive because um, I get asked a lot of the time if I if I am the one who contacts the clients um, and I've, ne- I've never contacted clients ever um, and I don't think it's a bad thing to do but I think there's ways around doing it. I don't think you necessarily have to, you know, not be a big <coughs> but um, I don't think you need to go and hey, this is me, look at my work. I don't think it's about that. I think it's being a bit more clever uh, about it, and kind of thinking, okay, how do I reach that? How do I get them l- watching me? Um, well, you talked
1: about that power dynamic in the emails yeah. when it comes through. Like if they're coming to you already, the ball's exactly, in your court. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Whereas the other way around, it, it it's like they know, they know. Yeah. Whereas so, and but the problem with that is it can take years, and people don't. No one wants to wait years because everyone wants to have everything done yesterday. But I think it's about um, you know, I I love everything sports-related, athletics, Olympics. I'm obsessed with the Olympics. Um, And so I'll always be posting about that. And then naturally, as that builds, um, you know, I always get contacted by, like, sports brands and things like that because that's it's authentic then. It's not something that's forced. And I I genuinely love it.
0: Yeah, because what we're quite conscious of is when we do work for brands or for other people when it comes to our portfolio, we'll only put out to the world the things we want to do more of. Yeah. And it's just trying to get your head around that. It's like don't just because you've done it, put out there and be like, oh I've done this. Yeah. Because like we got to a stage where I think it's like the first like live art job I ever did um, I kind of brought some references. I did, so did interior architecture at uni, so I've always drawn buildings and stuff. So I was like, "Cool, and draw this like London skyline, yeah. these different buildings." So everyone was, "Oh, this is amazing!" Put on our website, so it was great. Like,
1: so that that night, it was the first time you'd ever done any live art in yeah. front of anyone. <laughs> and he goes to me, I'm. Um, he showed me these references, photographic references of um, uh, London skyline, uh, but just in just like in just monuments. in black and black yeah. and white. And I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. And, I've, and by that stage, I'd been painting and making work for like 10 years. I was like, and I, I just said to you like, are you sure you can do that? And you were like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. So I was shitting myself because I thought I thought the whole thing was going to be a flop. And this then, was like
0: one of our first paying jobs as well. It was like an all right figure. So it's probably like, for me, I was just like, oh, I'm comfortable. I can do this. But you were...
1: Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, he's going to wreck this. We're going out of business. This is it. <laughs> And uh, and he smashed it and just did this. I, I was just like, he's one of those annoying people. He's just good,
0: just, just good, good straight away. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. Oh, thanks. Um, I need to see it. Yeah, so we did this. It's pretty. Well, it was. It was. You could see it off Holborn High Street for like ages. Um. But yes, yeah, so we did this piece put it on the website. People were like, oh, that's cool. Can I get a uh, bit of that? Yeah. So we did it, and we did more and more. Kept putting them up on the website, and then it got to a stage where the phone would ring. And someone, the office would answer him like, oh, you want a skyline? And it would almost become this like running joke of just like, oh, someone wants another skyline. So when we redesigned the website, we reduced the amount of skylines on there and put more other stuff on there. Just we didn't have to do them constantly. We got to the stage
1: where Adam could um, paint a London skyline from memory without a a reference.
0: Every main monument in London, I can just draw from the top of my head. What? That's how many many times we've done London skylines.
1: We were literally sick of them. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But it's true. It is it's true. If you if you give people that, they'll just that it is you've got yeah. you've got to be the the one who decides what people get. Yeah. But and that is how you promote yourself and how what you put out. But yeah,
0: that's <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get people to find out about you?
2: Um oh. I think um I don't know, it's a it's a hard one because um I didn't realise, when I started my Instagram and when I started kind of, because I was working, you know, I I was working at the time at um, a a luxury shoe designer and that was when I was like, really, I was like, I need to start doing my own thing. Um, And so I was kind of like working behind the scenes, like literally going to work and then coming home and working on my stuff. And I started, I slowly kind of started putting it out there on my Instagram. I literally had no followers then. I had like, you know, when you're like trying to get 11 likes, um, and I, as I kind of, I just kept it, I just kept going, and I didn't give up when I had like no likes. <laughs> I thing
0: like we talk about it all the time, it's like everyone started from zero. Yeah. Every single account started from nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like everyone's been through it at some point, and you have to get through that yeah. to get to the stage where it's bigger.
2: And you know, I, I always say this as well. You never know who's watching. Like you yes. never know who's watching you yeah. who because. That's why I don't have a, a private account if you're trying to grow yourself. Because yeah. um, that, that's actually how I got my first Nike job because um, it was actually quite naughty. I did a t-shirt saying, I did a Nike tick. This was years ago. Um, and one of my girls lying on it and it said, just do it later. <laughs> but I didn't realize at the time that a couple of girls at Nike bought one. Oh, which I found really strange. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I, I think not I think a
1: lot of people who work at Nike are really into like bootleg <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, and then yeah, and it, so they so they started following me through that. Um, yeah, and, th- and then they DM me, and I got, that's how I got my first job with them.
1: Yeah, because th- that's the thing is like, obviously, the the wider the net, the the more opportunities you're going to get. But it only takes one person. Yeah. So if you've got 200 followers, if they're 200 CEOs of the do you know what i mean that's all we need yeah so
2: also be aware of who you are following as well i think be clever in who 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 you decide to watch mm. um because a lot of you know what we do you've got to be in the know with what's going on as well i think i think it's really important yeah um, definitely yeah